The Capital Weekly Podcast is a production of Open California and is sponsored by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Greetings and welcome to the Capital Weekly Podcast. I'm John Howard and my colleague, as usual, is Tim Foster. Hi, John. And we have two special guests today. It's kind of a special edition of the podcast. We're going to talk a lot about Scott Lay and we've got two people who knew him very, very well. Anthony York and Paul Mitchell. See, Howdy, they don't need any introduction. That's why I didn't give them any. Actually, <laughs> Anthony is a, a longtime journalist, communications person right now, founding editor of Capital Weekly, the revised Capital mm-hmm. Weekly. Paul Mitchell with Redistricting Partners and VP of Political Data is a numbers cruncher. And you're probably familiar with both of them if you've read Capital Weekly or followed us on Twitter or Facebook. So welcome to both of you guys. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. Good to see you guys. And we kind of wanted to make this a little special. We want to talk about Scott Lay, who passed away recently and who was uh, integral to the founding of our publication of Capital Weekly and the Roundup, which is still going. And, and of course, around the Capitol and the Nooner and all that. And I know you folks knew him from way back from Orange County uh, when there were three Republicans in Orange County. And I think... uh, Paul Mitchell and Scott Lay were two of them, I guess. Wait, uh, I think you mean I think you mean three Democrats. Yeah, <laughs> Dustin was the third. Dustin Corcoran from CMA was the third of that that group. Uh, but yeah, that was back in the early '90s. Paul, you met him at, in uh, speech class, I think you wrote, right? And you guys were both uh, skinny yeah. students and got together because there weren't many Democrats you could bond with down there. Yeah, well, we uh, we met in a speech class. That's right. And he showed up in his scrubs because he was working at Children's Hospital. He came out of um, having been kind of a sick kid with asthma a lot. And when I say a lot, I mean, like uh, he was in the hospital on average about 100 days out of the year. Um, And he was his asthma was so bad that he would go to like cystic fibrosis camps and all of his friends were these kids with cystic fibrosis. So he had this real passion for it. And his kind of way of giving back was like interning at Children's Hospital. So he did that. And in speech class, he gave a speech about um, helping uh, escort women at the local Planned Parenthood, where at that time there was uh, this group called Operation Rescue that was blocking access to clinics. And it was pretty aggressive back then. And, uh, And so he was you know, a real progressive. And it was like, oh man, this guy's cool. And then I was like this long haired hippie guy. No way. Um, Yeah. 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 I wasn't as clean cut as I am now. And, uh, you know, ripped up jeans, t-shirt, barefoot. was the joke because I often was barefoot even at school. And, uh, and we bonded. And then later on, we started the Democratic Club there and roped Dustin Corcoran in and yeah, that was our life in the early 90s. We ended up taking over the student government, taking over the state student association for the community colleges. It's basically and, the metaphor for Democrats in California in general, really. <laughs> well, it was funny. I mean, back then there were no Repu- there were no Democrats. It was very Republican. Um, and uh, Tom Umberg was, I think, a first term assemblyman back then. So he was kind of one of the only uh, Democrats in the county. Uh and yeah, things politically in the state have changed a lot, obviously, since then. Hey, Anthony, um, I, I know when you yeah. worked with Scott, he, he was kind of really getting into technical 
he's really very much a techie, probably before that, I guess, mm-hmm. but he did kind of some amazing stuff with technology and he figured out things other people didn't know. So was he just really a geek at heart, do you think, or what? Well, I mean, he was, he was very, he had a very um, eclectic talent. I mean, he, I mean, I think the, the breadth of his talent, he, whether that was as an advocate and public speaker, uh, you know, um, as a writer, journalist, information gatherer, um, and then, as you say, as a, a technology was sort of coming in on, on the cutting edge of uh, of the internet revolution and knowing how to get a website up and running, how to take you know data from a public database and you and uh, put it in a searchable and presentable form. All these things, and this is back, you know, we're talking back almost 20 years ago. Now, where where um, a lot of things that we take for granted didn't exist. You know, and, and I first met Scott, it, I think I was thinking about this this morning, John and Tim, uh, I met Scott around the same time I met both of you. Um, I think maybe before the two of you knew each other. Uh, I, met, I met Scott my first tour in Sacramento in 1997, 98. And I was up here as a reporter for, for uh, Capital Alert. And then I went on to work for the, the California Journal, which uh, Tim, Tim was working at State, was published by StateNet at the time. Yeah, that's uh, and where Tim was, I met Tim Scott was as well through that. Oh, you did? I don't. I, okay, that makes sense. And that really, was, was that was again slightly later. But he was, uh, you know, he yeah. was when he was working for the California Community College League, and I was handling the advertising, and he would call and buy ads, and then we would just chitty chat. And I never met him in person, but I talked to him probably once a month at that point on the phone, and he was just out of all the people I talked to, he was one of the most memorable people I met in that period. How interesting. And and it's funny because, I mean, you to hear that description, Tim, because I think a lot of people um, through the Nooner, through the Roundup and through his various publications ended up having a relationship with him, even though they never met him in person. Wow. And we've seen that in sort of the outpouring since he's, since he's passed away. A lot of people, you know, that because of the way he approached his work, the way he wrote and, um, you know, not just his sort of journalism pursuits in the Nooner, but I think. I think a lot of people felt like they uh, they had a connection with Scott, you know, and, and that the community felt uh, felt a real loss with his passing. Yeah. So. You know, I was a mystery of him that I always wanted answered. And I asked him this question and he explained it in a way that I didn't understand. <laughs> but it was about how did he manage to get that bill tracking, campaign expense tracking uh, device that he had set up? How did he manage to get that? at the top of the ranking when you google i think he had like three customers going into it and there it was above i think above legitech was doing that at the time and these other big outfits Capital Alert. so yeah. what's sneaky i don't how did he do that that's impossible <laughs> it, was, it was seo he, he, he knew seo before seo was a thing right search <laughs> engine optimization um, but that was back when you know you could search on Alta Vista or what other right, when it wasn't just Google, right? No, no. But I mean, um, I don't know, Paul. You have any insight? Because Paul was also involved in some of the the initial, or certainly around in the, you know the founding of what was like Capital Base Capital Basement, which ended up sort of birthing kind of the Nooner and election or an election track and the Roundup, right? I mean, yeah. yeah do you have any yeah. insights into his uh, SEO into, skill and his Paul? strategies? Um, well, I know that when we first uh, started talking about this, there was, there was, you know, the online stuff has developed in such kind of waves and it, you know, it doesn't necessarily always, it's not really linear necessarily. So Scott, his first 
email news blast kind of thing was back in community college. So we're talking like 1993. We, Scott and I at community college um, ran for student government on a platform of getting internet into the student government offices. And when I ran for statewide president, one of the things I ran on was giving people access to email and IRC chat. And I remember doing a panel at a state conference showing IRC chat and I scheduled it, worked it out where I was chatting with guys who were in Bosnia uh, and we could chat. And I was showing how you could chat with people all around the country and in the world. And uh, so we were definitely like very into that cutting edge stuff, but uh we shared an email address. Like, you know how those old couples now share email addresses? Like Scott and I shared an email address. <laughs> um, we, uh, we paid this dude for our, our dial-up internet access with a $15 check. We'd have to drive to Garden Grove, this little single family home, and walk up with our $15 check to pay for the internet for that month. Um, and there was this love of all that stuff. Telnet, uh, Pine email, oh, being Pine. able to like, Pine, Pine yeah. was amazing. Pine was complete yeah. DOS. Remember, it was totally DOS. Yeah, it was. When I logged on to it. Yeah. I had a gray Nokia monitor. And when I logged on to Pine yeah. in the early 90s, my mon- the, the background was black. It always yeah. went black. I thought, this is really cool. I don't know how they do that. They probably eat, but yeah, <laughs> it was like magical. How can you send an email from Sacramento to, I think Pine was from. University of Washington, Michigan, or something. Oh. Michigan, I think. Yeah. 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 Just weird stuff. I was, using, I was using I was using Pine when I was an exchange student in Copenhagen, and we'd like go to the computer lab, you know, that was in like a twenty minute bike ride away to go send emails to my friends that were studying in other countries, or you know, my family or student, friends of mine back in Santa Cruz. Yeah. So we were we were yep. tinkerers, and and so this has actually got into like Scott's personality stuff too. Like when he came to Orange Coast, he hadn't even graduated high school. Um, he got like a GED type thing that was for for kids who would need otherwise special services because of his health issues. And so the school just thought it was easier and cheaper just to like give them a GED and kind of move them on. And so uh, he started, he matriculated to the community college and he'd always been in and out of hospitals, but there was this thing that happened, this kind of spark that changed him. And it was about being a political activism. And like, in my view, it was about like getting really into something outside of yourself and the ability to do like an email newsletter and communicate with all the community college student governments and be able to reach out to all these progressives and democratic clubs and all that stuff basically gave him like this fuel to like, like, okay, I'm going to be okay. Cause I get to like have this feedback loop of all these people I'm communicating with over email. And there was this article that we found um, that he had saved actually with his stuff that was from the orange County edition of the LA times and Scott and uh, Anthony, I think you were reading that one last night. Um, yeah. Yeah. And in that article, they're like, Scott lay sends these messages to over a hundred people in their internet mailboxes every day. And it was like, but that thing that was happening with him was, I think something in his brain clicking into the idea that even if things weren't going well with his health or things weren't like going well with whatever, that he could turn to this outlet of being able to like communicate with lots of people, have issues that he's fighting for 
have this virtual image of himself and construct and build that. And it, in a way, fueled him. And, um, you know, there was no greater representation of that uh, than what he eventually built with the Nooner. And, uh, you know, that even though he was having a lot of troubles, uh, that allowed him to kind of fuel him to get up and do something every morning and create this uh, brand that he had, communicate with the tens of thousands of people that he communicated with and really touch people's lives and affect people in a way that was very on brand for Scotty and just his caring nature and, and everything, but also um, what allowed him to do this in a way that, you know, shielded others, even those that were really close from him to him from like what was going on underneath, you know? Yeah. And not to get too far afield too, but I do know that, I mean, especially in this forum, you know, Paul and I have been, have been on like the little Scott lay tour a little bit, you know, it, it feels like um, talking to folks, but I think it is particularly important in this forum, you know, for those of us, you know, the four of us really knew Scott. We cover a whole span of, of Scott's life from 93 through, I mean, I would imagine in the last four or five years of his life, John and Tim, you guys saw him and worked with him um, a lot more than I did. Um, you know, I mean, frankly, it was hard. It was, I think it's important to mention, you know, that it was hard to, uh, you know, as his alcohol, as his alcoholism progressed and it got, uh, became, even you know, would pop up and, and um, Scott really got self-destructive. You know, it was, um, I, it ended up alienating a lot of people who were close to him, you know? And I know that in the last couple of years of his life, I had periodic contact with him, but wasn't close. I know, but he was, but he did go on to, he was on the board of Open California, right? And and you all worked worked pretty closely with him at, you know, at a time when things were not going well, too. I imagine yeah, you, he, you saw things that... You know, I mean, well, Scott was one of the first people we reached out to when we formed Open California to be on the board. And in fact, he was the first vice president of the board. And, you know, that was the, the title uh-huh. he retained until his death. And... Scott was really one of those people we relied on because there was nobody that was better sourced and understood the kind of inner workings of the Capitol than Scott. I mean, he was always, you know, I, I made a joke that if there was, if there was ever a rumor about something in the Capitol, Scott was the first person we called and he usually knew either it was true or it wasn't true. And if, and if it was true uh, where it was coming from, and if it wasn't true, who was trying to spread it. And he was just so in that world, but, as time went on, you know, his alcoholism and his other issues did really start to become more and more evident. And one of the things that, uh, you know, because our board, we only have four board meetings a year and I, you know, we talk to him occasionally, but it's not like we would see him every week. But one of the things that really started to uh, show up for me is that people that advertised with the Nooner would call us and they would say, hey, I'm having a problem getting a hold of Scott. I need, you know, my ad was for this bill that was uh that was in committee and now it's out of committee and i want to change the language i can't get a hold of scott and i haven't been able to get a hold of him for three days and they knew that we were in better touch with him but i couldn't necessarily get a hold of him either and uh you know that's when i started to realize that this issue that he had talked to because he was very public about his alcoholism and he was very yeah. public about going into a i think he was gone in a rehab for a month i nice. mean paul would know better than anybody but uh he was very public about these things, but that was the first time I saw it directly was that people were unable to get hold of him and, and that he wasn't responding. And, yeah. and 
that was, you know, that happened to greater and lesser degrees. And it certainly seemed in the last year or so, it certainly seemed to have gotten better to my mind, mm -hmm. but maybe it's just that I happen to be seeing him and, and talking with him at good times. John and I had did a podcast like this with him only about, yeah. I would say maybe two weeks before yeah. he died. Yeah. Like August and 31st, I think we did it. This yeah. And he seemed fine. Great. I mean, I did yeah. not, his, you know, when we did it on Zoom, so we were able to see his apartment and apartment seemed not in disarray. Uh, he was very on point, very sharp, very funny, you know, all the things you know about Scott. And then he was gone, I think about yeah. two weeks later. And yeah. so, you know, Paul can speak to the ups and downs, I think probably more than anybody. Uh, but uh, they were they were there. And if you knew where to look for the signs, I think it was pretty evident that something was happening. Go ahead. Uh, I, I, well, I, I was I was just going to say, I mean, you know, it's I don't know if it's it's just the um, the stage of life we're in, but I, but look, I mean, there's mental health issues and in, in I mean, workers of all types, right? Uh, you know, professional environments of all types. But I do think there is something. There's a discussion that you know, maybe will come of this about um, politics in the capital community and mental health because I there's a, there's a certain type of personality that is also drawn that is drawn to politics, right? There's a lot of ego involved in our business, whether you're a journalist or a lobbyist or a, you know, um, but if you're a member of this community, there's a lot of sort of putting yourself out there in different ways, a lot of ego and a lot of these sort of, um, I don't know. I mean, a lot of, you know, Paul alluded to not, not that there's a lot of these sort of dual personas, I think that people take on. And, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people in our community that we all know have wrestled with mental health issues. This is not, Scott's not the first person that we lost uh, to mental health issues this year. So, um, so uh, I, I just wonder if you know the time may be right for a for a different kind of discussion about mental health. I know you all are having a uh, a uh, this is see, I'm slipping into a plug here for your com upcoming conference on mental health. I know that's a broader take on mental health policy in the state, but it, but it. I would be in interested in sort of hearing sort of mental health issues particular to this community because it is very intense. It is very tight knit. And I do think that there are a lot of people, um, you know, that wrestle with a lot of, uh, of mental health issues that, that we all know. And, and often we don't hear about them until something like this happens, you know? Yeah. It seemed to me, it was like, he's kind of a Renaissance man. You know, he, the yeah. technology is a whole, it's just a whole, giant subject topic that you know can be explored he did that and then he was an advocate yeah you know he was with the community college league for years uh and that's a whole full-time job and more uh and then he's doing the nooner i mean he's, he's doing all this stuff and he just seems to have all these balls going all at once i never could quite you know know how he divided up you know his 24-hour workday into 40 hours yeah. you know? so i don't yeah, know yeah he in his his overachievement in a lot of ways um, was what allowed him to have this other part of his life. You know, it allowed him to put out there this face and he did have, he, Scotty was am amazingly caring, amazingly kind, um, generous, but also, uh, you know, and, and really smart, he, he taught me a lot about my work ethic. I mean, my, my work style probably stems from those days and nights of working in student government at a pace that I'd never worked at before writing memos at a pace I'd never worked at before. And, and like, uh, you know, the, 
the successes that I have in this world, uh, I think are really attributable to my time working with Scott uh, and that drive that he had, that work ethic he had, along with just being really talented and smart. But then also in a way like a lot of people are emailing me and they're saying, how could this be true of Scott? Like Scott was like doing everything. He was on top of everything. He had this, uh, you know, and, and it's, it, it's because Scott manicured this or curated this kind of outward, uh, you know, image. And it allowed for those mental health issues that Anthony's talking about to kind of be covered up. And, and I'm not an expert in the mental health issues, but as many people know, um, I've been sober for a long time. Uh, I got sober back in 1987 when I was only 17 years old. And so I have a lot of people in the Sacramento community that have come to me over the years, either with questions about their own drinking or with concerns about other people's drinking or, you know, helping take people to meetings and stuff like that. So I see a lot of that stuff, but then there's also other part of mental health issues where some people that we know who are really successful, um, maybe only their closest friends know that they also have, you know, these struggles and it, it makes those who are maybe coming up in the business who have those struggles feel like they're alone, um, feel like what they have is, is not something they can talk about, feel like what they have is something that they need to repress and hide and, and try to not show that weakness in our industry. Um, and maybe something that comes out of this from Scott's uh, passing is that we can have better conversations about it. And we're not going to solve mental health, but maybe we can put a dent in the issue of people being willing to talk about it um, and people being willing to, uh, you know, be open about trying to find solutions and, and help for people because keeping it in the closet in this way isn't helpful for anybody, you know? Well, and I think you make a really good point that Scott appeared to have everything going for him. I mean, God, here's a guy, you know, on paper, his, you know, his CV was incredible. He had been the, the head of the community college league. He was a lawyer. He was, you know, had, done very well in school, had, had done all these things, started the Nooner, and he just seemed like he had everything going. And in reality, there was this other issue, or probably issues that he was not talking about. And it it really belies the notion that you can't have a, a mental health problem and also be successful. And I think we saw this recently, the same thing with Lenny Mendonca, who stepped down from GoBiz and publicly said, I have a mental health problem and it's a health problem. It's, you know, in some ways it's like having a heart attack or having some other thing where just something you have to deal with. And it, it doesn't mean you're not capable. It doesn't mean you're not smart. It doesn't mean you don't have uh, tons of abilities, but it's something that if you don't treat it, just like, you know, high blood pressure or something else, it's going to have negative repercussions. And in this case, you know, to be clear, we don't know what happened to Scott exactly, uh, unless something is broken that I'm I'm unaware of. But, um, but clearly, I think one of the deepest, saddest issues is that when the nooner went and just went, went on repeat for several days, had he been a person who had not already had these issues, I think the first or second time that happened, people would have said, "Hey, what's going on here? Is something wrong?" But because he had sort of gone on benders and he had sort of disappeared for times, I think people just assumed that's what was going on and that, you know, it was just another 
another time when Scott sort of dropped the ball. And then unfortunately that's not what happened. And so he didn't, uh, you know, no one knew what actually happened to him for a few days, but I do think that you're exactly right. This is an issue that affects a lot of people uh, in general, but especially in this industry and in the world of politics, which is very high pressure. And I think it attracts people who have, for lack of a term, unique egos. And, uh, you know, I, I hope we can learn a lesson from this when we need to look for the signs that people are struggling and, uh, and maybe also put a little less pressure on some of the people that we rely on uh, and let them know that, hey, it's okay if you need to take a break or you need to have some self-care or whatever you want to call it uh, and get some help. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. Yeah. I can't help but think of Deborah Bowen, who was uh, a legislature, really talented and smart and become secretary of state, um, but had her own demons she was dealing with. And, you know, this is an elected, a statewide elected official. So the scrutiny on her uh, was tremendous. I mean, that may have been, you know, part of the issue, but, but she did, uh, but she had lots of problems and had to deal with them in a public arena, I think, and was, um, you know, was subject to that. Where, and, and Scott, to some extent, that's true, but on a much smaller scale, when I thought a statewide official, but among his friends and people in the capital community who were aware something was, you know, happening, it was kind of hard to figure out. And like Tim said, you look at, at this resume and it's just, uh, you know, the UC Davis and the law school and being an advocate. And, uh, you know, I think he was one of the 40 under 40 at one point. I mean, he's just got all the success. And uh, uh, but it was very difficult for him to weigh that. Uh, you know, balance those properly as it would be for anybody, I think. And it was harder for him, I think. Does anybody want to raise anything else? I was going to say thank you both, but maybe it's too early to say that. So, uh, Well, one thing, uh, one thing I would like to ask. So I know there's a story that's been uh, shared a little bit in some uh, different variations, but Paul, I'm hoping you can tell us the story about you and, and Scott, and I believe it was Dustin Corcoran out posting signs and a future political figure uh, was following along behind you. And, and I'd love to kind of get that on the record. Uh, the uh, I sensed the hesitation there. So go ahead. Yeah. So I was trying to, it's always fun to try to piece this together. So essentially what happened was um, in 92 uh, Scott lay and I and Dustin were all active on the college Democrats and, you know, that stuff in orange County. And uh, as you can imagine, the Clinton Gore presidential campaign really wanted to try to kind of break through in suburbs and and, you know, uh, kind of get into the Republican turf a little bit. Um, and so they there were a couple of times they came out to California. And so, you know, it was Jay Hansen, Tafari Gibri, who's now at AFL-CIO, uh, me, Dustin and Scott as like at the campus. And Dustin uh, working, had long hair then too, I understand. Dustin had hair <laughs> um, and wasn't long. Um, but, uh, you know, we basically, Dust, Scotty and I were the outgoing ones and Dustin was the one we kind of dragged along with us to everything. So it's kind of a, a real difference from what people know of him now. Um, and uh, And so one of the things we did was we would go out and do like, put up those signs on the telephone poles, you know, the Clinton Gore signs everywhere. And uh, uh, I don't recall exactly. I think it was probably when we had the event at uh, the big 
theater across the street from Orange Coast College. That's where Clinton was coming. Whoopi Goldberg was speaking there. It was a big thing with Clinton Gore. And we were getting to work with the campaign. We got to go on the plane. Uh, we got to drive around in the advance. We got to do all kinds of stuff. Uh, back then, it was super cool and exciting. And one night, we were out putting these signs up on the telephone poles. And it was Dustin's Mustang. And we'd go like drive up and like stand on the hood of the car and like staple the signs to the telephone poles and then like get back in and go around. And then we were doing it. And then we went back around to the main road and we noticed that our signs were down and it was like one in the morning. It's like, what in the hell is happening? And so we start racing around the town and we start seeing these bush signs going up. And so like we're tearing those down and and then finally we see the other people in the other car and it's Matt Harper, who's now in a, was an assembly member, was mayor of Huntington Beach, I think. Um, the dude with the hat, Scott used to call him the, the cat with the hat because he wouldn't name him, but he would say he and the cat in the hat almost got into a fight. And it was like one of these situations Dustin jokes about where like I say to somebody like, we're going to fight. And like, but I'm a, I'm a wimp. So I like, when I say we're going to fight, it means Dustin's going to fight you. And like, <laughs> and so like Dustin gets out of the car and does this whole thing. Like we're going to beat up Matt Harper. And uh, uh, there didn't end up being a brawl, but uh, that was back when Matt Harper was like the president of the college Republicans. And one of those young American for freedom, Yaffer kids. And uh, uh, one of our early, uh, you know, early days kind of stories. I'm sure a lot of people have these where like, you know, your nemesis from high school or from community college in this case, uh, you guys grow up and, and end up finding each other again years later. And Matt and I never really were super close when he was an assembly member, but, you know, say things on Facebook and he knows who we were and we knew who he was, you know, it's just kind of funny. The old days. We need to get Max Rick, Matt Rexford called in here to talk about the, the value of those signs. Yeah, I know. Matt would tell us it wasn't worth it. Tie all the things together here. Yeah. Hey, taking those signs down in Mexico will get you shot. Oh, I, yeah. We weren't going to get shot, thank God. We were just kids in Orange County. We were pretty safe in the suburbs. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many things that, you know, as we've been going through these newspaper clippings too, like and things that he saved and photos that he has, so many old things that were you know, we were really fortunate to have me and Scott and Dustin together and to come up together and to learn from each other and to have each other to push each other because we really did achieve a lot, even at that, you know, in those early, early stages. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And now, you know, having got to this part of the arc of our careers, um, you know, there's a lot that we have to be grateful for from those times that we had early on and, and it is just sad to have lost Scott through all this. And, and uh, it's kind of unbelievable sometimes, you know, even the other night something was happening and I was like, Oh, I got to text Scott this. Yeah. yeah, yeah absolutely. Anthony, did you have any final thoughts or anything? No, I th- <laughs> excuse me. No, I think that's a, a nice note to, to end on. Um, it, it is remarkable just sort of seeing how uh, this whole generation of, of young, idealistic, ambitious, um, you know, politically active folks on both sides of the aisle went on to, uh, you know, to really leave a lasting impression on our political landscape in the state. Uh, and it's sort of, you know, it, 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 it fills me with hope to know. I mean, I know somewhere there's a new generation of, of Scott's and Paul's and Dustin's out there, you know, all just, wanting to make the mark on the uh, state. mining Bitcoin right now. Anthony. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, then never mind. 
idealism was dead and uh, Scott was the last of his kind. So uh, he'll, he'll be messed. And... <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe they are mining Bitcoin. But I mean, but I think Scott, you know, ultimately looking back over the course of his life, it's a testament to what you can do in your free time. <laughs> I mean, I just think like the, the breadth of, of things that he, that he covered and, and, uh, and achieved and a number of people he reached with, with his skill and his energy um, is, uh, is really, it, it's worth memorializing and uh, appreciate talking to, yeah. uh, to all of you to, uh, to spend some time talking about him. Uh, one final question. Is there any word on, uh, ceremonies memorial services we've scheduled a memorial or service for scott uh on monday october 11th it's going to be at the sterling hotel which is right there on the corner of 13th and h um so monday october 11th 4 to 6 p.m uh, john myers the sacramento bureau chief chief for the la times is going to be kind of emceeing it or leading it um uh we've uh heard that uh, mayor daryl steinberg is going to be there and then a lot of his Sacramento friends, uh, uh, some of his family is going to be flying in. Uh, I think it'll be a great time to remember Scott and spend some time with his friends and family. So um, if people want to come, it would be great. Um, we'll probably send out a little uh, bit of more information uh, with the Nooner since we we have the, the login to the edit the email page, and that's it. We can't turn it off, but uh, we can... Uh, we can edit it, so we might add a little something about that in the in the Nooner as well. But uh, we're going to have uh, you know some photos of Scott. We'll have some folks that are really close to him representing his community college time, his Sacramento political time, and other uh, family and, and and folks there. Um, we'll have uh, some things just to you know as an opportunity for people to to you know, see each other and just remember Scott. Um, so I'm looking forward to having that opportunity. Um, and I think a lot of people that are texting me and sending me Facebook messages uh, uh, also feel like they need a little bit of closure and need a little bit of a, yeah, you know, a way to say goodbye to Scott because he meant so much to so many of us. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Paul's going to sing. So come on down. You can hear Paul yeah. sing. I've got my hair, my old ponytail. I'm going to attach and uh, but I've got some Cat Stevens. I will. Um, and also, this is a good point to mention that there has been a scholarship set up at Orange Coast Community College in uh, Scott's name. And I'll include a link to that on the show notes here. So if anyone uh, wants to kind of support his memory and, you know, show that he meant something to them, I'm sure sure the folks that set that up will be very excited to get that i'm sure you know scott would appreciate that yeah yeah absolutely. that means a lot yeah paul mitchell thank you so much anthony york thank you very much tim foster of course thank you thanks john and this is john howard saying we will talk to you next time around thank you very much the capital weekly podcast is produced by tim foster for open california if you enjoyed today's episode we hope you'll go on to itunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a positive review Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week. The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations.